Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Monday, May 11th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, joined once again by Shane Caldwell. And Shane, as this is a Monday show, what that means is last night, Sunday night, we had the most recent two episodes of The Last Dance. Did you, t- did you tune in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Last Dance has been like, for us sports fans, it's been a savior during this kind of uh, lockdown, quarantine status, everything going on in the world. It's really been a, a you know a, a lifesaver in terms of having something that's like appointment TV that you're looking forward to and you're excited. And it's just amazing how well they've done that documentary, the way they've arranged it with the timelines and just the interviews that you get with Michael Jordan. You know, you see him when they're they're showing him live reaction there, and he's just laughing his ass off. I mean, <laughs> right. it's just uh, it's just hilarious the facial expressions and just how competitive his drive was and how he he pressed his teammates and uh, you know, how determined he was and how he would find that motivation. If someone, if someone slighted him by a little bit, he would just come at him and he's just unstoppable. And th- that competitive drive he had was unlike any other athlete you see. And the way that they highlight that in this documentary is just, it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's entertaining TV uh, and it's the perfect time for it. Yeah. It, it is funny when he's talking about his, his uh, opponents back in the day, even the really highly respected defenders like Gary Payton, the glove, and he just sort of chuckling at the notion that Gary Payton, you know, slowed him down in the, in the finals that year. Um, But I agree. The competitiveness was the thing that they really highlighted last night. And those quotes about basically, you know, don't, don't bother being a teammate of mine on the Chicago Bulls, unless you're ready to you know, commit like I'm committing and you're ready to give whatever it takes to win a championship. And in fact, that's what we do here at DFS Coach Talk. We uh, we dig in and we look for every single edge we can find as we hand build our lineups and use the eye test. Um, so, Shane, tell us tell the uh, listeners a little bit about our strengths in terms of what we provide. Yeah, so we we break down all the analytics and the statistics to understand uh, how to gain a competitive edge there. But it's really our advantage of watching film and understanding coaching philosophies and seeing the eye test and identifying all those other elements of the game that we have an in-depth understanding of so that we can find a competitive edge and know how to attack uh, certain teams and know which players to play. Uh, So that's really our advantage there is the eye test and the understanding of the game and the overall philosophies of, of teams um, because you really have to look a couple layers deep to find an edge. Yeah, that's right. And we've started to do these uh, podcasts, the daily podcasts, by video. And one of the nice things about doing it by video is you and I and the rest of the DFS Coach Talk, DFS Coach Talk crew, we're never going to come to blows like Michael and and Steve Kerr. Uh, yeah. That was that was pretty intense. Uh, so that's the key is we uh, we avoid this the scuffles within the group. Uh, you know, as we build a consensus with our lineups um, and our general advice on players every night in NFL, NBA and MLB. And of course, right now we're focusing on the NFL as we continue our 32 day virtual tour of the NFL. We are wrapping up the NFC North today with the Green Bay Packers. Um, you and Mike covered the Vikings yesterday. Uh, we had the Bears on Saturday with Mike and Santino, you and I did the Lions last Friday. So all of these podcasts are available on the YouTube library. So we encourage you to go in whenever you have a a minute and uh, you can zero in on any team you'd like to uh, hear our breakdown for as we try to get everybody ready for the 2020 DFS season in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I love the NFC North because of all the history, the rivalries that you have. And even today's teams, uh, you still have good, uh, excellent rivalries and good history there. So uh, and it's just a it's a competitive, uh, very competitive division. I think it's one of the better divisions out there. A lot of good defenses, a lot of star offensive players. So, yeah, so it's a good it's a great uh, it's great to get this early in May and break down these teams. Because as I keep bringing up in every podcast, uh, these teams change so much each year. Um, and that makes a big difference on DFS in terms of how you're going to approach these these players and these teams and these matchups. Um, the Packers probably didn't change as much as the Vikings, what we had yesterday, um, but the Packers did still have some significant changes and uh, a little bit of controversy with their draft, which is interesting. 
and I think that the, the moves they made tell a story on what they want to do in terms of their philosophies. And we'll talk about that as we talk about different players. Yeah, so let's let's go into a, a bit of the overview on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Um, last year, as the Packers went 13 and three, of course, it was the first year for Matt Lafleur, and he and first-year offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett were in charge of the offense. I wasn't thrilled with uh, their performance or the the history of Nathaniel Hackett. So I'm curious on your thoughts there, and then they've got. Mike Patine, who's been there for two years as the defensive coordinator. So tell me about a little bit about their performance last year. Yeah, so I mean they were they were total offense uh, 18th ranked at uh, a little over 5,500 yards, and they were kind of middle of the pack in rushing and passing. Uh, passing ranked 17th, rushing ranked 15th. Um, they had a good rushing attack with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones was really like the MVP of this team. We'll talk about him. Uh, you know he could he could catch balls out of the backfield and rush and do really well with rushing. Uh, they were 15th in points scored at 23 and a half points per game. Uh, they did a good job controlling uh, controlling the uh, turnover ratio. They only had 13 turnovers, which was second in the NFL. So, uh, which brings me to my pop quiz of the day: Who was first? Uh, let me see. This is this one. Uh, yeah, it's actually not too bad. First team uh, ranked team. Who do you think that was for uh, the least amount of turnovers on offense? Well, I'd have to say the Patriots with Brady being the other guy along with Rodgers who uh, doesn't like to throw interceptions. Maybe the other guess would be uh, Drew Brees and the Saints. The Saints, you got it. Okay. So that's good. Yeah, that was that was the teams that I thought of too. They only had eight turnovers, uh, the Saints did, for uh, first first place there. But yeah, only 13 turnovers uh, for uh, the Packers, which with their defense giving – we'll talk about the defense getting a lot of takeaways. They were third in the NFL at a plus 12 turnover differential. So that's why this team was able to get the 13 and three. They weren't spectacular in any of the stats, really. Um, they just were really efficient at controlling the game and not giving up, not losing the game. Uh, they won a lot of close games and, uh, you know, and they also won in the playoffs against uh, the Seahawks. So, so really uh, for a first year coach, uh, very smart football and uh, were able to run the ball and still have a respectable passing game despite all the injuries. Uh, so it was solid season at 13 and three, uh, first in the NFC North, uh, and they lost to the uh, 49ers, but the 49ers were kind of on fire at that point in the NFC Championship. So yeah, they were, and I I I, I do agree. I mean, those traits that you mentioned, fostering a mentality of you know ball control, winning the turnover battle, and finding a way to win 13 games. Certainly, there's a lot to be said for Matt Lafleur and company. But, you know, you, you kind of referenced uh, the passing game as as an aside and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is there. And so I'm just I'm looking to see offensively, you know, what can they do in the passing game to have that be more of a threat? Um, you know, if you can run the ball and opponents can't stop you, fine, you know, keep running it. But I'd like to see them really take advantage of Aaron Rodgers. So we'll get to that as we break down the offense. But on the defensive side, strong in terms of uh, low points. They were ninth in points allowed and decent against the pass, but they struggled against the run. The In the two years that Mike Patin's been their defensive coordinator, they've ranked 22nd and 23rd in rushing yards allowed, and they've been middle of the pack in defense, uh, 12th and 14th against the pass. So uh, what do you think about the, the defense and, you know, is Mike Patin uh, the type of leader who can take them to the next level this year? I think the defense is very solid, obviously uh, very good secondary and awesome uh, pass rush. Uh, when they got the out of the defensive ends, uh, Smith uh, on the, on the outside, they, those guys were awesome at uh, getting to the quarterback really good secondary, just solid throughout. So yeah, that you don't, not a team you want to attack in the passing game, but they were a little weak in the rushing game. And, and some of these games were closer, which means teams were still able to run the ball on them. It wasn't like a lot of blowouts. Uh, so that's why uh, teams did attack them in the run game. Uh, but yeah, the defense uh, had uh, a lot of takeaways. They had 17 interceptions and four fumble recoveries. So they were one of the best teams in the league at, at takeaways. They were playmakers, and they didn't give up that many points, even though they gave up 18th in total yards. 
at over 5,600 yards. So I think the defense is just as good last year. Uh, we'll talk about a couple changes they made that could affect it a little bit. Um, but the defense is going to be pretty status quo and, pre- and pretty similar from what I see from the offseason moves here. Okay. Yeah, I think the key there is you could attack them on the on the ground last year, and we saw that really come to light in that NFC Championship game when they gave up 285 yards rushing to the Niners, and they just they didn't have an answer for them on the ground. So yeah, um, yeah, we'll they circle. can stop the run. Uh, a lot of times that gets into a game script where they slow the ball down and they run the ball more with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and they and Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to pass much. So. You have to figure out as we transition into Aaron Rodgers a little bit here, you have to figure out which games are going to be more of a shootout, just like any team. But the Packers are definitely there's games where they'll just take the air out of the ball and not pass that much. Uh, part of that was because of the injuries, though, they had at, at wide receiver. They were depleted there throughout the year as well. Um, um, the other thing, uh, let's talk a little bit about the changes they had in the offseason here because they did uh, have a few additions. Um, so they added. uh so they lost Blake Martinez, who was their top linebacker. You know, the guy had over 100 tackles. I mean, he was just a tackle machine in this in this defense. So they did lose him. He went to the Giants, and then they added linebacker Christian Kirksey to take over for him, who used to play for the Browns, who was a solid uh, solid uh, linebacker at the Browns there. Um, and then on offense, they lost Brian Balaga, their starting right tackle, and they signed Rick Wagner, who used to play for the Lions. Uh, Rick Wagner did not have a great season last year. He gave up a lot of pressures and gave up three sacks. So he wasn't great, uh, but he did have some injury issues. So they're hoping he has a bounce back year, but the Lions did cut him before his contract was up. Um, they also added Devin Funches. Uh, so they're hoping Devin Funches can make a, a career comeback. He didn't really do much last year. He was injured with the Colts. And he's a big target, almost like a hybrid tight end wide receiver. So hopefully he can help in the in the passing game. And then, of course, they lost veteran Jimmy Gran in the tight end. That uh, kind of leaves a void there at tight end. Uh, and they lost some other linebackers. Uh, Geronimo Allison, the wide receiver, went to the Lions. Uh, so quite a few changes here. Um, but it, I, I don't see anything significant. They, they found fairly decent replacements for him. And it still remains to be seen whether Devin Funches is going to make a contribution, but I think that he could be a red zone threat. So that's kind of what I'm looking at for the changes. Okay, great. Yeah. So let's uh, let's start with Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about guys that he's lost in terms of Graham and Allison. Uh, we've got Funches now in the mix. Uh, and then, of course, there's a new quarterback in the room along with him, whether he likes it or not, with Jordan Love. Um, but Rodgers is coming off a, another – very solid year. He got 4,000 yards. And this guy, you know, with with Michael Jordan still on the mind, this guy is a real competitor, too. He goes about it a different way. Uh, I'd say a little bit more of a quiet, a quiet competitor. Um, But you got to think he's going to be motivated with uh, the fact that the Packers spent a first round pick on another quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it was a controversial issue. I mean, that was kind of the the offseason story for the Packers is they're in a win-now mentality. They're coming off a 13-3 season with a playoff win, and Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl-winning quarterback. So they have the team now to set up for a Super Bowl run, and then instead of taking like a receiver or another playmaker for the offense to get going, uh, because the defense is actually pretty solid, they take the future quarterback who may not play for two or three years. And we'll talk about whether we think he's going to be successful or not, but there's a lot of question marks with Jordan love and to take him with the 26 overall pick, they must be really high on him. But the question is, does it help the team to win this upcoming season? And the answer is probably not. Uh, So that's the, that's the issue there. Uh, But, you know, he does provide a good backup quarterback because Aaron Rodgers has had a little bit of injury history the last few years and uh, he's not getting any younger. So that's part of the mentality as well, is you can develop your future guy and hopefully have a quarterback that can win some games if uh, if your uh, starting quarterback, your pro bowler, goes goes down with an injury. So that's kind of the way I look at it. But I can see where they, uh, people would be uh, not happy with that pick. Yeah, you know, I, it, did, it, it has been controversial. I actually support it more than most. The main reason is because when we have seen – Aaron Rodgers go down in recent years, their backups have really not stepped up and they've been ineffective. And as you mentioned, with a team with the capability of making it to the Super Bowl, you really need a better backup than what they've had in recent years. And, you know, 
he may or may not be ready to really step in this year. What we'll see, but I, I don't mind the move. And if it motivates Aaron Rodgers even that much more, great. I mean, I, I agree it would have been ideal to get a wide receiver in the first round, but um, you know, if it pans out, I, I think it's a smart move. So, um, but a, as for Rodgers, um, 26 touchdowns, only four interceptions. So he certainly he certainly did his job. Uh, do you think we'll see some some bigger games out of him this year, or do you think the rushing attack is really going to continue to lead the way in terms of uh, touchdown production? I would say Aaron Rodgers will be slightly better this year because I'm expecting that hopefully he'll have better chemistry with his wide receivers, better continuity there in terms of them staying healthy. Uh, because the problem uh, when Devontae Adams went out for six games was, was his main target, Alan Lazard didn't really develop into a, a starter-type player towards the end of the year. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who they were counting on to contribute, uh, came, came in late. So I'm just talking about those guys because I think that really hurt Aaron Rodgers. Like, who was he going to throw to? Like, you know, an aging Jimmy Graham. He didn't really have that many guys to throw to. He was throwing to Aaron Jones, I mean, in uh, Jamal Williams, you know, in the running in the uh, the running back. So I think that I would expect Aaron Rodgers to, again, be over 4,000 yards and hopefully he can get closer to 30 touchdowns. Uh, and that's kind of what I would expect, that 30-plus touchdowns from uh, Aaron Rodgers is what we've come to expect. And I know he's had a couple off seasons. But, yeah, I expect him to be a little bit better in this offense. I think they have a great offensive line. The running game helps him. If the wide receivers can stay healthy and Devin Funches can contribute, uh, then I think I, I do like the outlook for Aaron Rodgers. But, again, you better watch what the matchup is because when he gets into some of those ugly – divisional matchups with like the Chicago Bears defense, it, it doesn't always contribute. You know, it can be an ugly, you know, 13 to 10 type game in some of these NFC North battles. Uh, so I, you have to be careful. Uh, last year, his big game was against the Raiders and that was at home, a non-divisional opponent that had to travel west, west to east and play in the early game. And they have Raiders were able to score on him, which allowed Aaron Rodgers to keep passing. So he ended up with, over 46 DraftKings points that game and over 43 FanDuel points. So it was it was a huge contribution. His other big games were like 30 points, 30 points, 28 points on uh, DraftKings. He was in that six to $7,000 price range, which wasn't too bad. And then on FanDuel, he had 43, 28, 27, 26. He was in that 7.6 to 8.3K price range. So he was in the middle higher tier of price range, but you really had to pick which games you thought was actually going to be a higher scoring game where he had pass volume because at times the defense and the running game would dominate. Yeah. And I agree. You know, we, we certainly want to uh, target him in the shootout games. Oftentimes that'll be a non-divisional game and looking at the schedule, the Packers play all the teams from the NFC South. So we're going to get to see some fun possibilities early in the season. They play at New Orleans in week three, and they play at Tampa Bay in week six. And those are going to be games to watch as potential shootouts where you get Hall of Fame quarterbacks on the other side, you know, slinging it and uh, trying to one up their opponents. So a lot to look forward to there. And we've touched on Jordan Love a little bit. Let's break him down just in case he does get out there. Uh, you know, what type of quarterback do you project him to be once he gets his chance in the NFL? Yeah, so you hear people talking about uh, comparisons to Patrick Mahomes, and I can see the comparison, uh, you know, a big athletic type quarterback who can throw from multiple angles and a great arm talent, Ex- except for, you know, last year he really took a step back, completing 61% of the passes, 3,400 yards, only 7.2 average, but he had 17 interceptions. So 20 touchdowns, but 17 interceptions, that's not what you're looking for. And he's playing out in the Mountain West Conference at Utah State against not that good a competition. Uh, The scouting report says that he has a little bit longer delivery where he kind of winds up and he can telegraph some passes. So when defensive coordinators find out and scout him, uh, I think that the the, the defensive secondaries are going to tee off on this guy. And I, I don't think it's a good combination if he threw that many interceptions last year in the Mountain West and we are coming going up a competition. So the question is, is here's another NFL comparison. Is he Patrick Mahomes or is he Deshaun Kaiser who uh, tried to play for the, uh, you know, Cleveland Browns? 
or what I believe he is, if he can develop and improve with the uh, coaching staff there and being under Aaron Rodgers, he might be somewhere in between like a Tyrod Taylor type player. Um, so that's kind yeah. of the way I look at him. I like those comparisons. Um, I could see the Taylor comparison. I do like the touch that he shows on his deep passes. Uh, kind of reminds me of Aaron Rodgers, actually, the, the soft touch that he has. But the 17 interceptions is unacceptable. And you know, Rodgers will be a great guy to learn from in terms of better decision making to keep those turnover numbers down. And you know, hopefully Love can be much more like he was in 2018 when he had 32 touchdowns and only six interceptions. Now, the, the one other thing about Jordan Love is in terms of his highlights, I really liked some of those plays where he – kept the ball and sort of ran that option in the red zone. Uh, you pulled up the stats. He ran for seven touchdowns in 2018. He didn't have really a good yards per attempt, but to me, he just looks a lot more mobile than Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's one part of his game that uh, could really be a difference maker down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, his strength is his, his size and his, uh, you know, uh, he's got pretty decent speed and athleticism, and he's got a good arm. So he's that prototypical uh, specimen for quarterback. But the question is, is can he have the discipline and the, the arm motion and everything to be able to make quick throws and make good reads? And he didn't show that last year. So it's a big concern. And like I said, I keep bringing up it's not very good competition in the Mountain West division. And we're stepping up to the NFL. So that's why it's going to take him a while. And he has time because I think Aaron Rodgers should play at least two more years. But we'll see. It's it, So it just it created a little bit of a controversy. But the quarterback position is extremely important in the NFL. And I think it provides them a good backup quarterback that they can develop along the way. And it's really important to have a backup because this defense is really good and the running game's good. So you can still win games with a backup quarterback, hopefully. Uh, and especially if you have a guy like this as a young talent. So let's hope that that's, uh, that's the case here. Uh, but yeah, so the, in that case, it's worth it. And also you got to keep in mind where they were picking some of those top wide receivers. Most of them were already gone and they would have had to reach a little bit on a, on a, a later wide receiver in at 26. And I don't know if that would have been worth it. Right. Well, interesting that they just never even went that, went that route. Um, yep. But they, they did pick a running back and a tight end. So let's start to talk about the, the backfield, which is a very important backfield in fantasy. Aaron, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams combined for 25 touchdowns last year, 17 on the ground and eight through the air. They're both in a contract year, and they went ahead and drafted A.J. Dillon at the end of the second round. So uh, let's break this down here one at a time, starting with Aaron Jones. Yeah, so Aaron Jones is coming up. He He's coming off a career year. He was the fantasy running back, too, only behind Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so if you if you targeted Aaron Jones last year, you made a lot of money. He did well in daily and seasonal leagues. So Aaron Jones was an unexpected star. They finally got a little bit of volume. Jamal Williams uh, was okay, but he had a couple games where he went out as well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this guy, 19 total touchdowns last year. Over a thousand yards in rushing, 4.6 average, which is awesome. He caught 49 passes, so very valuable in PPR and three touchdowns, and he had almost a 10 10 yards per catch. So Aaron Jones was a superstar, and he was probably the MVP of this team last year, and a big reason why they were 13 and three. This guy just 19 touchdowns. So the problem is, is with that type of year, he's kind of due for some regression here. Uh, you can't expect 19 touchdowns again. And I still think that they really like Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is actually probably a little bit better of a, a pass catcher, even though Aaron Jones is quicker, right? Because Aaron Jones did have some drop issues last year. So I think that this is pretty much like a 60-40 split. Aaron Jones, 60. Jamal Williams, 40%, um, which tells me there's regression due for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is in a contract year. It's his, it's his final year of his contract, and I don't think the Packers are bringing him back. So maybe they'll just – run him like crazy for his last year. I don't think they're going to pay him what he's going to demand in free agency, probably upwards of 12 million a year. And uh, I think that's why they drafted the uh, rookie AJ Dillon out of Boston uh, college. So I like Aaron Jones. He's still a guy that I will target in certain matchups, but don't expect the type of production we got out of him last year. You have to be a little bit cautious there. Yeah. Great, great stuff on Aaron Jones. Um, you mentioned the thousand yards on the ground. And it was his first year that he's played all 16 games. 
So he really was uh, productive. Overall, he was consistent and reliable because of all those uh, passes that he caught. But one thing that jumps out at me is that in terms of his rushing production, it really was boom or bust last year. He had five games of 100 yards rushing or more, but he also had six games under 40 yards. And most of those he had at least 10 carries. So uh, that's another thing that you touched on is really does depend on the matchup. Uh, against a team that's poor against the run, I will certainly consider him. But uh, if it looks like a, a game where you know it might make more sense for Green Bay to attack through the air, then I'm going to fade him uh, because I, you know, I, I don't want to deal with those those games where he's, uh, you know, 10 plus carries for 40 yards or less. And I, I do want to mention that two of his 500 yard games came at the very end of the season when Jamal Williams was out. Um, so something to keep in mind there. Uh, they do really value him as a playmaker. Not only did he have those 19 touchdowns in the regular season, but he had four touchdowns in two postseason games, two in each one. So uh, he's he's a real playmaker, uh, certainly a guy worth monitoring. But I, I have a feeling that in general, I'm going to fade him more than most. And if he's priced as the you know, fantasy running back number two based off of last year's production. I think yep. there's going to be a lot of times where I'm going to want to go elsewhere. Yeah, that's why we talk about year to year, week to week in the NFL, because he is going to be priced probably too high. And it's a guy that people might be on early uh, thinking they're going to get the same production. I'm not convinced of that. I think that uh, Jamal Williams, the Packers actually drafted 2017 in the fourth round. They actually drafted him before Aaron Jones in the fifth round. So Jamal Williams making a little bit more money than Aaron Aaron Jones, which is pretty funny considering the production last year. <laughs> and I think that they're going to try to re-sign Jamal Williams because they love him in that third down. They love him in pass protection and he's got great hands. So he can, he, he's a good, he's good as a runner too. I mean, he's a little bit bigger than Aaron Jones and he's got great hands and uh, great, great ability to catch the ball in the backfield. Um, he had five receiving touchdowns last year. So I will expect, like I said, a 60-40 in some cases closer to a 50-50 split. Aaron Jones does have a history of injury. He had a great year last year, 16 games, but we, we might not expect that this year as well, right? He might miss a few games. So we're, when you add all those things up, it's a slight downgrade for Aaron Jones, even though he is a dynamic talent. Uh, and I expect the Packers to probably re-sign Jamal Williams to a cheaper deal and keep him on the team uh, as their third down back and, and sometimes three down back in certain situations. Uh, so Jamal Williams last year, uh, 460 rushing yards. He only played 14 games, though. 4.3 average per rush, which is similar to Aaron Jones. Only one touchdown, though, so he didn't get a lot of work uh, in the red zone there. Uh, and then he had 39 catches for 253 yards and five pass uh, receiving touchdowns. So he was they really trust him there in the receiving game. So that's it's funny because he's a bigger back. You wouldn't think he's more of a PPR back, but he really is their PPR back. Aaron Jones is more explosive in the past game, had a much bigger average. He could hit you with those wheel routes, and he had a good run after the catch. But Aaron Jones also dropped some key passes as well and didn't show quite as good at hands and concentration. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. Jamal Williams, if Aaron Jones goes down, it's a guy that you fire up. I don't know if he has standalone value. It's a little bit difficult there. But maybe, like you said, if they're uh, if it's a matchup where – they're on the road and they're they're expecting to be underdogs and they're going to have to come from behind. Uh, I can see them throwing Jamal Williams in there and trusting him more uh, for that hurry up offense in the passing game. Yeah, I actually had some decent success uh, playing Williams and you know searching for the right matchup. You mentioned his hands. His eight, he has a catch rate of 87%, which yeah. is outstanding. Uh, so I I'm with you. I think that. If I had to predict right now, he's the one they're going to re-sign. They're very happy with his production as a third down back. And if A.J. Dillon shows the type of promise that they're hoping for as an early down runner, then that's the backfield they'll go with. Uh, and you also mentioned, you know, Williams being a guy that you can plug in if Jones is out. He did have five games last year with 10-plus carries. Um, so, you know, they, they've got to be thrilled with – that one-two punch, uh, hoping for a similar uh, return on investment this year. Um, but as we've mentioned, they did draft A.J. Dillon. Uh, so talk to me about this big, strong, bruising running back out of Boston College. 
Yeah, so he came out as a junior, but this guy had, I believe it was over 800 carries in three years at Boston College. So this guy was a bruiser, a high-volume type rusher. Uh, Boston College really liked to run the ball a lot. He's six foot, 247 pounds, so he's a beast there. Had a great combine, uh, four, five, three, forty at that size, which is pretty amazing, and a 41-inch vertical. So he showed explosion, top end, uh, long speed. The problem is, is he, he rates out really poor for like uh, the agility and the quickness and the cutting. So he's really slow in terms of cutting and moving and finding holes, that vision part of it. And I don't think he's going to be able to come into the NFL and just completely dominate physically um, and find as much room because of his lack of agility and quickness. Uh, in the, so that's kind of the knock on him. So I think he is a good early down workhorse type back. He's big and uh, physical guy and Still has some home run speed. Uh, last year, he had 318 carries for 1,685 rushing yards. So a true a true workhorse back. at, uh, And then he had uh, 5.3 yards per carry and 14 touchdowns. So he was very good there in a high-volume role. Um, it's just in the NFL, it's a little bit different. You can't always dominate physically as much. Uh, and then some of the scouts are predicting that maybe he'll lose a little bit of weight so he can gain a little bit of quickness in the NFL there because he's pushing 250 pounds, a little bit big. You know, it's almost like a fullback size. Uh, but, yeah, I think he is the early down running back for the Packers. It's their future uh, future guy there. And I think they're going to mix him in a little bit this year. But really, probably 2021 is going to be the year where he uh, is a really good back for fantasy for uh, being able to get touchdown, have touchdown upside, and be able to get a lot of volume in the in the early down uh, rushing game. I agree. And if you haven't seen his tape yet, I encourage you to go watch some of his highlights. When I first watched his highlights, the guy I started thinking about was Derrick Henry. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the missed tackles. Uh, he broke 198 tackles in three years, and he has been a workhorse. 842 carries in those three years, to be exact, over yeah. 4,000 yards. Um, but I started to, you know, look at his numbers, and with that comparison to Derrick Henry in the back of my mind, check this out. Dylan tips the scales right now at 247. Derrick Henry as listed at 247. And then mm -hmm. how about their how about their speed? AJ Dylan was clocked as a, a 4.53 in the 40. Derrick Henry 4.54. So mm -hmm. very similar profile, but I agree. The real difference is that agility. Derrick Henry can certainly cut and make people miss. Yeah, uh, the ability to stop and, and go, uh, acceleration and quickness and overall strength. He's, uh, you know, Derrick Henry still obviously uh, in that elite category where Dylan is really good, but not quite there. Yeah. Right. It is going to be fun to watch him, though, uh, and see how, how much he can break tackles at the next level. So. Uh, all right, great, great work there on the running backs. Let's transition transition to these pass catchers, starting with uh, a fellow named Devontae Adams, who has been rather productive in fantasy in recent years. Yeah, Devontae Adams is uh, going into this year as one of the hottest receivers. I mean, the guy, he had a toe injury. It was one of those turf toe situations, so he missed six games. So that really dampered his fantasy season last year. But then once he got that momentum at the end of the year, the guy was absolutely dominant. Uh, so he was he was obviously Aaron Rodgers go to guy. You trust him. This guy is a great route runner. He can line up inside in the slot or outside. And, uh, you know, he takes on elite level cornerbacks and typically still does well. Uh, and DraftKings, he had uh, some of his best games were 39 fantasy points, 31, a couple 26 point fantasy games, 22. And he ranged anywhere from like six point five thousand. Uh, uh, yeah, 6,500 6, to 8,000 range. So if you could catch him on some of the, before his price went up at the end of the year, when he had a couple big games, that was huge upside. He still did well on FanDuel as well uh, because uh, he had, uh, you know, pretty good production there uh, where he's had still at 32, 23, 21, 20, and 18. Um, didn't have quite as many touchdowns, but he did only play 12 games as well. He only had five touchdowns overall. But yeah, ton of volume. Uh, really good uh, average yards per catch, and uh, he's got, he's going into this year as one of the top uh, wide receivers. Um, and again, it's going to be a game script type thing where you're going to want to target him when they're they're going to have a lot of passing volume because some of these games they're not going to get much passing volume. 
Um, but yeah, really high on Devontae Adams. What do you think about him? Yeah, I am too. You know, really impressive that he was three yards short of a thousand in only 12 games. It was disappointing in terms of the five touchdowns, but look at the three years before that, 12, 10, and 13. Uh, he's averaging uh, 85 to 90 catches per year. Uh, and and the, the thing for me was thinking about just how the season progressed for him. He started off slow, had the toe injury, and then down the stretch, eight of the last nine games, he had at least 10 targets. So the way I look at it, uh, you know, Rodgers and Adams were a little bit frustrated early on. Uh, trying to get used to Nathaniel Hackett as the new offensive coordinator, trying to get used to LaFleur. And then that second half of the season, they said, you know what? We we need to just take care of business here. You know, we have trust in each other. We have experience. And and Rodgers had to keep going to his guy. Uh, everybody, the, the rest of the receiving core was just in and out of the lineup, uh, inconsistent. Uh, nobody who really stood out. Uh, so... I, I expect big things from Adams again in 2020. Yeah, I mean, he had 127 targets, you know, in only uh, 12 games, converted those to 83 catches and almost 1,000 yards. So, yeah, so if that keeps up, he's good. Um, I kind of worry about them not having too many other weapons that uh, if uh, in certain situations, uh, Devontae Adams, if he's going up against an elite-level corner or they're double-teaming him all day, you know, he could have a couple dud games here and there. So it, that's one of the things you have to always look out for with uh, Devontae Adams and the way this offense is. Um, I do like Alan Lazard. He's a guy that really wasn't getting much playing game playing time early in the year. He only played 11 games. Uh, but he did end up with 52 targets, 35 catches for 477 yards, a pretty good average per catch at 13.6 and three touchdowns. So – uh, Aaron Rodgers did like Alan Lazard. Uh, he didn't have that many choices, especially when Devontae Adams was out. But Alan Lazard caught some momentum, and I feel like he's going to take the next step this year. So I do look at him as a, as a good receiver and probably the second receiver in this group here. Yeah, I think he's really important to focus on as a potential second receiver because, you, you know, you mentioned it. He didn't get any targets in the first five weeks. But then starting in, in week six, he averaged 4.7 targets per game, which was more than anybody uh, other than Adams. Uh, Marcus Valdez Scanting, Scant, Scantling really uh, dipped down. Uh, during that same time period, he only averaged 2.4 targets per game. Uh, Geronimo, Geronimo Allison, who's gone, uh, you know, he was out there a lot last year. He played 59% of the snaps. But he only ended up with 34 catches, and it was, you know, pretty consistent. You know, two catches here, three catches there. Uh, he just was not very productive. So to me, Alan Lazard really stepped up and looked like that number two receiver with the most trust between uh, Aaron Rodgers and Lazard. Um, and I got to mention, uh, unfortunately, I know you're a Detroit guy, but uh, we may need to target Alan Lazard against Detroit because. Mm -hmm. In week six, he had four catches for 65 and a touchdown. And then in the last game of the season, he had four catches for 69 and a touch. Those were his two best games. So for whatever reason, that was a matchup that Rodgers and Lazard really did well in. Uh, but after that, who are you looking at next, MVS or Devin Funches? Well, I would probably have to say early in the year, you're still looking at MVS because he, he already knows the offense and he has some rapport. And we don't know how healthy Devin Punches is or what his role is. Um, so MVS is still kind of that speed, big play threat that they were re last year. He, we were really high on him coming into the season, and he just was a disappointment. Uh, he did flash in a couple big games. Uh, MVS did. Uh, I think he had two big games. So it was like 24 and 21 fantasy points. So he's the type of guy that can flash. He's more of a GPP showdown type target. Uh, but yeah, I, I would expect him to still be in the mix. And then, uh, especially for red zone production, Devin Funches is that taller, more athletic guy. You can throw a fade route to him, you know, hit him over the middle. Uh, so I think Devin Funches throughout the year will get more involved and probably overtake uh, Valdez Scantling, kind of like Lazard did to him last year. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. But yeah, Devin Funches is kind of going to be like a wait and see approach type guy because he's really hard to trust at this point. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Uh, MVS just really faded. Other than those two, those two big games you mentioned, the, the second one was against Oakland in that shootout in week seven. But after that, he only had five receptions the rest of the year. 
you know, just yeah. almost disappeared. Uh, yeah. So I think Devin Funches will certainly have an opportunity. Uh, he only played one game last year for the Colts. He was out with a collarbone injury, but you got to figure he'll be healthy and ready to go. And as soon as he can get up to speed with Aaron Rodgers, they'll give him a chance. This is a guy who's averaged about 40 catches for 550 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, you mentioned his size and a great uh, red zone target. So uh, I think uh, he'll be he'll be a key guy to watch. Uh, you know, it's not like MVS did anything special where they're going to make sure he has a role. If Funches can show that he's going to you know be more productive with Rodgers, uh, you got to figure the Packers will give him that chance. Yeah, I mean, he you could almost look at Funches as he's I look at him as almost like a hybrid tight end like a big slot tight end. So he could, he could take some of those roles that uh, Jimmy Graham had last year because Jimmy Graham's not there. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the tight ends, but I feel like he's almost like a red zone target, uh, almost like a tight end, you know, playing wide receiver, but he could light up in the slot and, you know, really cause some mismatch issues. Yeah. And, and there really are some opportunities here for uh, new receivers with the Packers, new, new pass catchers, because, uh, as we mentioned, Allison had 34 catches. Jimmy Graham had 38 catches. They combined to get 20% of the targets last year. They're both gone. Um, and so there is a real opening with the tight ends. It's an interesting group. Um, you've got Mercedes Lewis as the 14-year veteran who caught 15 balls last year, one touchdown. Um, do you think he'll uh, get the nod as the you know, early in the season, tight end likely to get the most targets, or do you think it's going to be somebody else? I think it's going to be someone else. Uh, I think Mercedes Lewis is going to be mostly blocking. I don't think he's going to be running a lot of routes, getting a lot of targets. Um, so it's not a guy that I think is going to step up big. He, he hasn't really had a good re uh, season receiving since like 2010 with the Jaguars, and that's a long time ago. So I don't really expect him to do that much in the receiving game. Uh, outside of, you know, occasionally catching, maybe uh, getting a touchdown, you know, like a fluke play. Um, I think I like uh, I like Jace uh, Sternberger as kind of a sleeper. Uh, he was a guy that they drafted and planned on kind of being the developmental guy and uh, behind Jimmy Graham last year. And then he got injured in the preseason game and was placed on IR. So he never, you know, he came back at the end, played like one game, uh, caught a touchdown in the playoffs. Uh, but Sternberger is a guy that I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to like because he's a big target. He's another one of those big slot type tight ends who could line up everywhere. And his last year at Texas A&M, he had 832 receiving yards for over 17 yards per catch and 10 touchdowns. So, the guy did produce there, um, so he's a guy that could come could come out of nowhere. Uh, but traditionally, this Packers offense hasn't really produced a lot of production for the tight end position. Um, but you will see some production out of Sternberger and more Mercedes Lewis, I think, just more of a, a blocking type tight end. And like I said, Devin Funk just could play some of that almost like a tight end type role, uh, uh, you know, offline lining up in the slot. So that's kind of how I see the tight end position here. Yeah, Sternberger really could be a surprise early in the season, so we'll keep an eye on him in the preseason. He's got to be feeling good after catching that playoff touchdown. And very strange to not have any catches in the regular season. I know he was injured, but then to show up and score in the in the postseason. Uh, and then, of course, as you mentioned, you know Rodgers doesn't typically look to the tight ends uh, historically, but uh, you know maybe this guy will uh, build off that playoff touchdown success. The other guy who got in the end zone last year for the Packers is Robert Tanyan, but he only had 10 catches, uh, only played 18% of the snaps, uh, so not expecting too much out of him. The other guy we need to mention here is the third-round draft pick. The Packers went with Josiah DeGuara in the third round out of Cincinnati. Do you see a role for him with the Packers this year? Yeah, um, as I was telling you earlier, I view him as they drafted him. He was he was a target for them as a specific role as a fullback or like a uh, uh, a uh, you know halfback fullback type guy. Uh, you know he's definitely going to be uh, he's really showed really well good blocking at Cincinnati. So I see him more of a guy that they're going to use in the power formations to run the ball more effectively and use him more of a fullback because he's a little undersized for a tight end. 
Um, but he's perfect size for a fullback. He showed good athleticism and just an all-around good player. He can do a little bit of everything. So there will be times where they'll target him in the passing game, but I see him primarily as a fullback type uh, blocker uh, and is really going to help the run game, and that's a specific role. And if you look at how they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round and Josiah DeGuara in the third round, who I project as a power fullback, uh, that's a power running game. And that tells me a lot about what they want to do going forward here uh, It's a power running game and uh, a, a near elite level defense. And I think that's the way they believe they can win, win games. It wouldn't shock me to see that approach in the, in the black and blue division. Yeah. The, the, old, the it's, NFC it's, North. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the old Lombardi days. Right. And then w- while Aaron Rodgers is still there, he can hit you with the big plays and pick you apart when he needs to. But I think overall, Again, similar to the Vikings, they want to run the ball. They want to wear teams out, dominate on defense, dominate the turnover differential, and just play smart football. And then if they need to score, they still have Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the best quarterbacks ever. You know, So they still have weapons there. Uh, but I think that's what they want to do, and that's what this draft is telling me. Excellent. Well, before we get into breaking down the rest of the draft class here, uh, Shane, where can everybody find you on Twitter? So I'm at... DET Sports Shane. So that stands for Detroit. So it's DET Sports Shane. So definitely uh, check me out on Twitter. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at Language Olympic. Uh, so look us up. Uh, you can also find our crew at DFS Coach Talk. And the website is DFSCoachTalk.com. That's where you can go and pick up one of our memberships, weekly, monthly, or annual. And those memberships are frozen until we get. MLB or NBA back up and running. Um, but as a member, you'll have access to all of our uh, advice on the KBO, the Korea Baseball Organization. Uh, first week is in the books. We had a really successful first week at DFS Coach Talk, helping our members uh, build winning lineups. So uh, come and pick up one of our memberships if you'd like. And uh, you know, while while it's frozen, you basically have free access to our, our advice on the KBO. So, uh, Shane, let's wrap up with uh, the draft talk. We've already touched on the three guys uh, that they drafted in the first three rounds at the skill positions uh, with Love and Dylan and DeGuara. What are your thoughts on the rest of the group? Uh, so in the fifth round, they took uh, Kamal Martin, uh, linebacker out of Minnesota. Uh, he kind of had some injury issues uh, at Minnesota, so he didn't play a lot last year. But uh, he was a solid linebacker there. He's got good size, six foot, 240. I think he's a developmental linebacker, and I think they like the versatility. He can play inside or outside linebacker um, for them. So I think that's why they like him. A lot of people did have him rated as like you know seventh round undrafted free agent type guy, so he didn't really get a good grade on that draft. But they like him for the scheme fit, apparently, uh, for the versatility. And then after that, in the sixth round, they had three picks and they took all offensive linemen. And I feel like they're building their offensive line depth and potential starters for the future uh, to help save money there on that position as well. They've always had a good offensive line and they're very good at developing those guys. So they took offensive tackle John Runyon out of Michigan, who his dad was like a, you know, Pro Bowl uh, offensive lineman back in the day. The guy has a great pedigree, not an amazing athlete, but he still had a pretty good workout to combine and, you know, big physical guy and just a tough, tough, good offensive lineman. He could play guard at this level as well. And then you also have uh, Jake Hansen, who was a center, who's really strong, solid center at Oregon. So Always that's good to get guy. a Hansen in there. Yeah, exactly. You got to have a Hanson. Yep. So that's another good developmental guy for center. And then I like the uh, offensive tackle out of Indiana, Simon Steph- Stefaniak. Uh, and he was uh, kind of like the workout uh, warrior for uh, bench press. He's a real strong guy. He had like 37 reps uh, at the combine for the 250-pound uh, uh, bench press. So that was pretty impressive. So strong guy. So they those are type of guys that have good talent and strength and they just develop them in terms of their technique, and that's what the Packers are good at, developing these offensive linemen. So that's good depth there that they got in the sixth round. And then they got a safety, Vernon Scott, out of TCU, who wasn't really highly touted, uh, but he was a decent player there. Um, So he's the guy that they'll develop uh, at safety. And then they got an edge rusher in the seventh round out of Miami, Jonathan Garvin. And I think this guy can play uh, rush linebacker on the outside, and he can also play defensive end. He's pretty got pretty good speed uh, size, 
really long. He's got good length and good bend around the edge. So I think for the seventh round, he's actually a good edge rusher type prospect and uh, out of Miami uh, who didn't really produce that much there, but uh, could develop in the NFL. So overall, I think it's a pretty decent draft. I know most people graded it really low because of the Jordan Love thing. But if you look at the value of the position of quarterback and the fact they didn't really have a backup quarterback and Aaron Rodgers can't play forever, it, it remains to be seen. It, just like any draft grade, we got to see how Jordan loves develops, you know, uh, is, is, uh, we got to make sure he's not the next Deshaun Kaiser, you know? Uh, so that, that's really remains to be seen, but, uh, I thought overall it wasn't a bad draft. Uh, the team was already pretty solid though, and they didn't lose a lot. So, you know, they're coming off a good year and, uh, if they have a little bit better health at wide receiver, I think they, they, they have Aaron Rodgers in a solid defense now, and that's in a good running game. That's all you need. Right. Yeah, that's a great start right there. Aaron Rodgers in a strong running game. And I'm already I'm already looking ahead to next year when you and I sit down to do a preview of the 2021 Packers. And you mentioned some of those linemen they drafted, the depth there. And I can just envision us talking about A.J. Dillon just running over people uh, in the NFC North uh, and hopefully having some highlights this year when he does get on the field that are a la Derrick Henry just steamrolling people. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch if he gets, gets a few carries. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a little nervous about that working. Uh, not everyone can be a Derrick Henry. In the NFL. <laughs> least, I mean, this is a grown man's game. I mean, they will. Uh, so if you don't have a little bit of wiggle and agility and you can't develop that way, uh, just being big and fast isn't always going to uh, translate in the NFL. So, so that remains to be seen. This guy did put up a lot of production, but they, yeah, I, that goes with that power running game with the bigger guy because they're running backs, Aaron Jones, especially a little bit smaller. So it tells me they want to go away from that smaller back and go with the bigger physical back. And, you know, you get in those cold weather games and, uh, you know, uh, November, December, hopefully January, right. And Lambeau, that's what you want to do. You just want to punish those guys when they come in there. And, and that's, that's, that's Green Bay football. That's right. And that's what we try to do at DFS Coach Talk is we try to bring the power as well as the wiggle and the agility. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Give it a, a thumbs up or a like if you don't mind um, and continue to tune in. We're doing these every day. Uh, tomorrow, Shane and I will be back on breaking down Washington. Um, Coach likes us to mention his favorite charity is MambaOn3.org. So go give that a, a, a look. Shane, any final thoughts before we wrap up here on Monday? No, I mean, I think the Packers overall, I, I expect a little bit of regression. I think 13-3 and three was a little bit overachieving for them last year. Um, they're in a tough division. Uh, so that remains to be seen. But uh, they are definitely a good team, uh, a contender in the NFC North. But I, I think they're going to take a little bit step back. Uh, and I kind of like the Vikings in the NFC North to win the division uh, this upcoming year. But uh, But we'll see. It's a tough, tough division. Yeah, I think it's going to be a war in the NFC North. It's going to be a lot of fun. I agree. I, I think it's unlikely that Green Bay will get to 13 wins again. I think it is more likely that the Vikings uh, step up and, and take the division. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, but that's it for the NFC North for us. Uh, we're going to transition to the NFC East starting tomorrow. So please do tune in. On behalf of Shane Caldwell, thank you for joining us. You have been watching and listening to DFS Coach Talk.